0: In a Mississippi Minute. That's right. Today on In a Mississippi Minute, we're going to go deep in the woods and come out in style. I'm talking the way most outdoor sportsmen, women, and children have come to dress when they are in pursuit of wild game of any kind. He founded Mossy Oak Brand Camouflage and his parent company, Haze Outdoors, Inc., And his enthusiasm and sheer care for conservation is known worldwide. We just get the bragging rights here in Mississippi because he's one of ours. So let's get it on and find out what the heck it takes to have the vision and moxie to achieve the American dream. And say hey, hey, hey to the man behind it all, Toxie Hayes. What's up, Toxie?
1: Boy, I don't know. You made that sound awful good.
0: It's my job.
1: Uh, (laughs) I don't think about it in those terms. I just get up every day and watch the sunrise here. Over in West Point, and
0: count my blessings. I love it. Hey, hey, I appreciate you. You know, you know, our, our man George Bryan, our mutual friend, said oh. you got to get Toxy on. You got to get Toxy, and uh, I said I've heard so much about him uh, from our friends, other mutual friends, Jim Gallagher Jr. You got so much, so many people I respect, respect you and admire you and love you so much. So I'm I'm excited to have you on. And uh, okay, so where does the name come from? We have a son named Strack, which is my. My wife's uh, grandmother's maiden name. And so everybody asked, and they think that we're saying strat like a guitar. And I said, no, no, I would never do that. You know, so where does Toxie come from?
1: Well, actually, my father um, is from Mobile, Alabama. And his father, who I'm named for, was Toxie Daniel Hayes Sr. And the best they described it to me that there was a Dr. Toxie from the town of Toxie, Alabama, down in Choctaw County. Mm-hmm. And that uh, my my grandfather was named for him. And of course my grandfather was a doctor. I think he was a founding uh, intern at the Mobile Infirmary. So my dad was from Mobile, Mobile family, you know, uh my and that's where my name came from. Unfortunately, you know, I had all my grandparents but him. He died the day after I was born, but they did he was he had tuberculosis but, you know, he did know that he had a grandson that was named for him, and that yeah. always meant a lot to me.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So when did the family make the trek to West Point?
1: So um, it's going to burn up a little bit of time telling this story. I, won't, really I want
0: you, we have a Mississippi Minute. You know what that means. That's a long time.
1: <laughs> That's like all day if you got a, <laughs> a, a cup of coffee or something yeah. <laughs> to go with it. But um, so my dad, um, you know, was from Mobile, and then, of course, my grandfather I just talked about, he was a big— University of Alabama guy. He actually played sports over there, like played basketball, ran track. Back in the day, early, early, like 1907 or something like that, uh, you know, it was different than today. In fact, I've got a picture I'm looking at. He was on the YMCA Champions of the South basketball team. Wow. And that was a higher rated or higher talent level of basketball than, like, college basketball way back to, like, 1900, believe it or not. So, anyway... My mother is actually from Starkville, and they met. My dad came to school at Mississippi State from Mobile. So the funny story is my grandfather was such a big Alabama guy that when my dad got ready to go to school, he wanted to learn to farm cattle, and he wanted to go major in ag econ. My grandfather said, look, you go anywhere in the world, your education, if I have to borrow money or do whatever to get you through school, I'll send you any way you want. But if you're going to Auburn, you're paying your own way. (laughs) And so he's like, well, great, I'll go to Mississippi State then. And he said, that's fine. And we had kin folks up there and all. So I'm telling this story because when I decided I had this crazy idea to start the business, of course, we lived here. I've been in West Point my whole life. And, you know, Daddy was part of the Sarah Lee team with George. That's why we're all so close with them. And um, so I was looking for a place to rent. And once they realized that they couldn't talk me out of doing it, and this crazy camo idea, he was, Daddy asked me, have you got a place to rent? And I said, yeah, I found a little small, uh, you know, uh, abandoned building that they went me for like $300 a month. And he said, wait a minute, have you signed anything? I said, no. He said, so, if I can find something for sale, there's a lot of old buildings for sale because people were bailing out of the, you know, the downtowns, of yeah. West Point and small towns. Right. In the 80s. Um, he said, let me see if I can find something for sale and if, you know that happens, and maybe we'll you know you can rent it from me, and we'll actually own the building. And so anyway, he found it was Dyer's Furniture. It was about five thousand square feet on Main Street. It was like twenty eight thousand dollars, and he said, "You pay me three hundred dollars a month, and we'll you got a deal." And so I had instead of one little small room and two offices, it was a five thousand square feet. Of course it was rough, but it was you know we we had room to grow into it at least back then. So. That's where we started. And it was just myself and then Bill Sung, who's still here today as the president. And, uh, we got going and, you know, it, we added, uh, Carson Young and Bob Dixon. God rest his soul. He's no longer with us. And then Cindy Clyde, she's here today. Those are the first, like, five employees. And, you know, we, I talked to Textile Building the uh print some fabric just by the grace of God. I don't know how I talked them into it. I just had enough money for 800 yards of fabric, and the <laughs> minimum that they would do normally was 10,000 yards. But I got that. It was like precious gold. We had some stuff sewn into clothes by a small factory. My mom, a local seamstress, and put together some stuff to sell. And, you know, I was just looking back on it. It's just a complete miracle we ever made it through the first little bit. And I'll stop right there and say, people ask me all the time, how in the world you do all this? In looking at today, in this little small sleepy town of Mississippi, and I will tell them very quickly. I said there is no way I could have ever done any of this if I hadn't lived in this little small sleepy town of Mississippi. Because you know we lived off my wife's teaching salary. My mom and dad were here. The cost of living, the cost of doing business is so much less. Uh, everybody in town is helping to get you on your feet and help you. Uh, I couldn't have done it
0: anywhere else. You know, you bring up an oh. interesting point there. So, small towns, period. Some of the greatest songwriters, if not most of them, that I've ever spent time with in a room and 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 just been in wow of uh, have grown up in small towns. There's something, I, I said this on my show before, but I've never said it in relation to your business, that... Uh, there's something that is worldly about growing up in a small town. First of all, you have the ability to communicate cuz you have to, right? right? I mean, you got to. <laughs> you got to learn to communicate. So all of a sudden, you're put in a situation where you got to go convince these people. I love this. You got to convince people that say you got to do 10,000 yards not, you know, not 800 or whatever you're doing, right? 80 What was it? What was the number of your fabric you we, needed?
1: We were able to with what little bit of money I had, I think we could afford like 800 and something yards. Of fabric. And it was just one fabric to do, a jacket, a pant, uh, a cap, a glove, and then my mom actually sewed them for a while, the little face mask, so that, you know, we could sell somebody who wanted to wear the camouflage a complete outfit, at least, to start with.
0: Did you see a void out there in the marketplace?
1: Yeah, actually, how I got started with all that was because I didn't understand the marketplace. I didn't know about the marketplace. But I grew up hunting with uh, my dad, and he would always have to, of course, he was one of the uh, kind of founding turkey hunters in this whole area. He grew up hunting in South Alabama with some of his friends that actually was the only place he even had turkeys when they were almost extinct. I grew up hunting with him in a, a turkey hunting club down there that was founded in like 18, I'm excuse me, 1924, I think it was. So that's how long. It's coming up on 100 years. Well, they were almost extinct in the 30s, that's that's just there was just happened to be, you know, part of how he grew up and all, and so it was just in my blood from day one. And he always had to build blinds, you know. It's like, Daddy, you know, we need to get closer. We can't get closer because we're we'll spooking making the blind, and it was just such a pain to me. And it even as a little kid, I say, well, it seems like instead of wearing this bright, you know, kind of almost has some white color in it, army camouflage, it just stood out so brightly. If you you know, because you had to hide yourself completely with these building these natural blinds. I was like, if your clothes were just a perfect match with the woods or where you're hunting, then you could just sit anywhere you wanted to. And so that just, it just, you know, that from a small child, had always been in my head, and I'd always tried to do something better when I hunted, whether it was, you know, tie-dyed or draw owners but never was very good. wild. Wow. And then uh you know, when I got, the one thing I did get, I guess if I got an MBA, I did graduate from Mississippi State, but I got my MBA at Sarah Lee in marketing. And I learned about, you know, solving a consumer problem, you know, you can make a business out of it. And I just, I guess I was just naive and headstrong enough to go try it and, you know, by the grace of God, here we
0: are today. Well, it's always by the grace of God. Second of all, yes. he's got his plan. But he loves see, he loves to see us go put, uh, put uh, a little work time in, a lot of work time. And I, I have rarely seen anybody without vision and then the, the determination and just sort of going in sort of naive in a way, but just like yes. all in. I'm all in. There's nothing going to stop me. I'm working that hard that have failed. I, I've, I've seen more success stories. Uh, and you, I know you have, too, that are yeah. similar to yours. Yours is amazing. Amazing. But there's, you know, a great story has to come from very, very, very hard work. And it's got to have the grace of God. We were Toxie Hayes, founder of I Love Their Camouflage. I love Mossy Oak. And most of my friends, their closets are full. They got nothing. I mean, at church, they wear it. We're going to be right <laughs> back here in the Mississippi Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar. I am with the founder of Mossy Oak, but a lot of things. Uh, it, just anything to do with outdoors and his love of conservation and his love, obviously, of growing up uh, in the woods and and realizing that uh, something need to be changed. <laughs> I love it. So, Toxie. We're, we're Toxie Hayes. So elaborate a little bit more on uh, on this incredible vision, and it's just an amazing story to me.
1: Well, you know, <clears throat> I'm going to do one thing first. I want to just just touch, and you know, you, you touched on, you know, putting it in God's hands and having that faith and just turning loose. And, you know, cause I'm a big believer in that you, you don't do that with certain expectations, because that's your will, not his. So, But, you you know, faith means just turn loose completely and then, right. you know, go do it, and you let that be up to God. So having said that, I've never figured out how or why this occurred like this. So it just is what it is, and it's part of the story I need to tell you. So if you remember a few minutes ago, we were talking about living in West Point. My mom grew up in Starville. My dad grew up in Mobile. Mm-hmm. They met at Mississippi State. So he wanted to be a cattle farmer. So when he got out and he didn't have two nickels to rub together either. The only bank that would loan him any money was a bank in West Point, and the only place he found that he thought was a good piece of dirt to start a cattle farm on, and it was cheap enough, was in West Point. So they settled in West Point totally by chance. And so skip ahead to when I started this business many years later. My dad found out, because he knew all along, and that's one part of the story I hadn't mentioned. My grandmother, his mom, from, you know, lived in Mobile. They married my, my grandfather that was a doctor. She originally was born in West Point, so he always knew that he had original ancestors here. It was the Cottrell family. About four or five years after we started the business, we finally had a little extra to do something, and it was just tin on the front of the building. You know, it had been painted, and it didn't look very like, you know, a business or anything. So we looked underneath, and it was like that old original brick from downtowns. And so we got a guy that... give us us a quote to take that off and kind of pressure wash the brick, and then that would be the front and stove that's painted tin. So Daddy was asking around, found out from one of his friends that my great-great-grandfather actually built a leverage stable in downtown West Point and was one of the original merchants here. And Daddy mentioned to him, he said, Man, I need to find out where that building is. I would love to figure out how to trade or buy or somehow own that building. And his friend, who was from here all the time, said, Fox, did you not realize... You already own that building. What? (laughs) And so it was right at the time when that guy, so he went. The next day he came in and said, take the tent off. He says there's a sign. on." So today when you come to our headquarters, which is stuff all over the the world, actually, if you come to our headquarters or you write a check or whatever, it goes to 200 East Main Street. Actually, they just changed the number. And you can see up on the top of the building, it says AP Cottrell, 1892. My great-great-grandfather built that building that we bought and moved into, and we did not even know it.
0: That is incredible. Do you think that had anything to do with the relationships that were previously uh, there?
1: No. I, I have no idea what that means. All I know is, why well, take a chance? You know, we've got stuff all over West Point, and even, you know, whether it be Texas or Ohio or, you know, Kentucky or, you know, actually, you know, China offshore, whatever, Tennessee, Right outside Murfreesboro is one of our uh, our graphics business, but um, if you you know our headquarters is going to be on Main Street in West Point, Mississippi, and we kind of did a office expansion. I'd love for you to come by and see sometime. Oh, I'd love and to. And restored everything in another building we got, and it was able to expand our offices and give the people here a great, really authentic, down to earth office setting. Uh, but it's still the same location, and I don't think we will ever move. One thing I'm big on, one of our, you know, we've got a lot of core philosophies as a culture here, as a group, as a family, you know, the company. And one of the top ones is always time. Time, you know, time trumps any other asset you have. Uh, and so I just think my point in saying that there's a lot less wasted time on things that don't give you a full life in a small town to me. And maybe I'm prejudiced, but, uh, about that. I always make the joke, and people say, what if you just were forced to live somewhere else? Because I'm known as the world's biggest homeboy <laughs> in the world, and I don't <laughs> even leave home to go hunting, to be honest with you much. People think I travel the world. Well, but you I don't have to. <laughs> I mean, and I just love home so much, and we have so much going on I'm responsible for. I just It's kind of a phobia. I need to get over some, but they would ask me all the time, like, okay, you just pretend like you were forced to move somewhere else. Where would it be? And I was like, well, I don't know, but I'll tell you this. If I had to live somewhere else in West Point, it it would be somewhere that wasn't near this big.
0: (laughs) Right. No, I love it. We're talking to Toxie Hayes, founder of Mossy Oak. Toxie, you go to Mississippi State. What was your experience like there? Did you meet your bride there? What what happened? How did it go down?
1: Oh, it was great. You know, I was a lifelong uh, Mississippi State fan. Both my parents went there. You know, my mom was, you know, my mom was a cheerleader and homecoming queen and all kind of stuff. You know, she grew up within her, her blood there in Starkville. And so, you know, it was a natural thing. And, um, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. You know, I started out thinking I might be a veterinarian because I loved animals. And then I swapped. Them. You know, to business, and then actually ended up getting a degree in business management, and they have a very good school there. And there. But you right. know, it was great for me because I was close to the family, and I was close to getting back and you know hunting and doing stuff here. And, uh, and of course, the greatest thing of all, about my wife there. And as my dad said, I stepped on a banana peel. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> yeah, we got married same thing. <laughs> right when I graduated, and she still had some school left. And so uh, I went to work at uh, on the kill floor at Brian Foods. That was my first job. I'd, Go to work about four or four thirty in the morning every day, and she was still finishing school. So that maybe that was a struggle, but we didn't know any better. We had great examples from both our parents, so we just went to work, being married, and uh, you know that's been thirty-seven years now.
0: You, so you're working at Brian Foods, but right, you did more there with them. What was well, after school? Well, and stuff.
1: I, I started working, yeah, actually because of you know because of George, and you know from a way distant, he was he was, you know he was even moving up to do the meat group in Memphis, which is even, you know, a, a bigger job than just being the president of Brian Foods, but he wanted to have some some people with local ties and ties to the company to kind of go through a management training. There was a couple of us, and so one of the things I got exposed to, even though I was working in the plant, was like sales and marketing. Well, part of the marketing deal was to present something to them, and I had to you know my week of spending time in the marketing department during this training period was, uh, present something you would do, would be a new product, how would you, you know, and I didn't know, I really didn't know that much about marketing at all. Anyway, when we got through the training, I went to work in the plan, and the director of personnel called me up to his office and said, the marketing department is actually looking for someone to come in be like an assistant brand manager and work on marketing and stuff, and, uh, you know, just my first experience being exposed to marketing and advertising, I was fascinated with it anyway but he said they think that instead of they were looking for people with like mbas and stuff which i did not have but they think that someone with family ties and a a knowledge of the plan and the production and all can really be an asset you know bridging the gap and they like what they see with you and they want to offer you that job and boy i took it you (laughs) know for no other reason than i had to be to work at seven.
0: Yeah, that's not, that's Believe not right.
1: it or not, 7 o'clock would actually let you sneak in a hunt before work sometimes. <laughs> I literally could sneak in turkey hunts, but, I mean, I had to kill them right when they flew down or I didn't have time. But at least let me get out because I'm kind of addicted to watching the sunrise, whether I'm out there hunting or fishing or working on the place or whatever. So, you know, and I, I was fascinated by that, but I had some really good – smart people that worked there that I learned from. I was paying attention. And then I had this idea, and, you know, I was working on the side and at home, and, uh, you know, even when I first got fabric sewed up, I, I took out two one-third of a page black-and-white ads and two hunting magazines, mm-hmm. and I did the artwork and everything myself and on a, a copy machine. You know, I had a – it didn't cost me any money at the time to get a 800 number that would ring at the house, and they put one – at my house, and at my mom and dad's house, and so she was at home, so if anybody, God bless them, if anybody called to try to order something, they made make sure they didn't miss it. You know, I happened to, uh, just one morning that first spring when I had some, nobody knew about it, but daddy, and I ran into a guy that was a, just a friend of mine, not super close, he was older than me, but we've become a lot closer over turkey, hunting. he was one of the few turkey hunters around here, and I ran into him at a gas station going you know going out to hunt before daylight and he looked at me and said what is that stuff you're wearing <laughs> and uh oh it's nothing i found you know it's some new stuff i found and so anyway later that year he was like i can't find that anywhere where'd you find it And i said well look i'll tell you what's going on so come over to the house and he came over and i told him about it and i knew him and you know his family we're family friends i knew he'd keep it a secret so it just so happened when I got to the point where I needed to take some photos to do something with, he was the only person that knew about it. And so, and then I found out he was so fascinated with what was going on, and in his own personal situation, his job, he, he was doing okay, but he wasn't real happy with it. And so we just talked it out, and he came on board. He was the first employee. That was Bill Sugg, who's the, you know, the president. Was of the he house. your model,
0: too? He become your he model, was the
1: model uh, for the first advertiser. <laughs> I
0: felt like you were about to tell me that. <laughs> I love that. That's the greatest. We're talking Toxie Hayes founder of Mossy Oak and this is just getting better. I'm so excited about this. You're in the Mississippi minute. Hey, Toxie, you know better than anybody that we are the birthplace of American music, so you get to play DJ, have a little fun. Would you like to hear a little Paul Overstreet or Ike Turner in the break?
1: Oh, I've got to go with Paul Overstreet
0: all the way. That's my man. I love it. We're in a Mississippi Minute. We're Toxie Hayes. Mossy Oak. It's only done I notice I walk the way he walks I notice I talk the way he talks I'm starting to see My father in me And I'm happy to see My father in a Mississippi minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk, Mississippi. we with Toxi A's, Mossy Oak, among other things. George Bryan, I appreciate you uh hooking me up with. Toxie, I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time since he mentioned it, and we finally connected, and you're in a Mississippi Minute, which is where you should be. Hey, uh, Toxie, turkey hunting. When I grew up, we used to rabbit hunt, had a buddy, played baseball at Delta State, and we ate a lot of rabbit. So he had the dogs, and we'd go out and all that. And I wasn't a huge hunter growing up, but I loved my time there and the peace. But I got to tell you something. Down in the Delta back in the late uh, say I'd say mid later eighties we go turkey hunting, and we didn't see a thing, but yeah. I'll tell you when I went to Nashville and I had my house in Franklin, we had about five acres and we were beautiful land and every day I'd see ten of them walk single file, walk by, and then later on walk by you know, but hunting wise turkey have always turkey been a big thing up in the hills
1: you know yeah I, you know it's 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 different i mean the the history. In, in conservation, first one, uh, just a, a uh, you know blatant plug for, for hunting. Um, just so the public knows, there's never been a wild game species go extinct. In fact, the numbers almost all are just thriving and growing. And guess what? They're managed. The right. hunting is only legal in bait and limits and, you know, everything based on what's best for those. And if you watch what's going on even today with some of the, you know, the diseases have crept in and all, our state... It does a, you know, with all the politics wrapped in with it, too, they do a, I think, great job of listening to our biologists and molding what we do, you know, for what's best for the wildlife. So we're really fortunate on that the most prosperous uh, species on the planet are, are wild game animals. And so turkey is a great example of that. We almost lost them. Because people overshot them, they weren't seasons, they weren't protected. Uh, you know, people might, you know, hunt them all year long, try to feed a trench, take out the whole flock, all this, this crazy stuff. And, uh, along came, I think it actually was developed right by where I grew up hunting in Clark County, Alabama. They developed this cannon net. And so everybody tried to, like, get wild turkey eggs and hatch them, and it never worked because Mama Hen wasn't there to teach them. <laughs> It would be wild. So they weren't, and they got caught and killed by predators and so forth. So anyway, the great success story was this cannon net they invented, and they were all of a sudden starting able to cannon net them and put them in boxes and run them, you know, quickly somewhere else and turn them loose, and lo and behold, they started surviving and prospering. And what they found was, and really today's world is teaching us a little bit on the turkey conservation, is that when you moved the turkeys into a new area, those predators, especially the nest predators that would eat up the eggs, didn't recognize it that a food source so we're, we're, we're putting populations in these little spots all over the country more and more and they just explode. I mean, I remember the story here. My father actually got the first ones brought into Clay County. We didn't have any. And they brought them from over in Greenville at uh, Catfish Point. I know you know where that is.
0: Right, yeah, yeah.
1: I and they flew them in a little plane. He was so excited. Hmm. There was like eight hens and we couldn't get any gobblers, And then Later on in May, they let us have two, like, young gobbler jakes. And believe it or not, the hens had already been bred, and they nested the first year. And my story is, within four years, there was five or 600 estimated in the county already. Right. We went from almost losing that species to the conservation and hunting dollars, spreading them all over the country. And so they're in every state but Alaska now, and I think they're working on getting them there. Even in Canada, as a huntable population. Wow. And it's just, you know, there's stories like that all across the landscape on wild game but you know the wild turkey was almost our national emblem over the eagle and they're so important to this country and i think the people that have never seen one or experienced them, they think more like the barnyard turkeys they just don't realize what an incredible and beautiful animal they are uh,
0: i love i love the way you explain that so your commitment to conservation i mean it, it has everything to do with your business i get that but it seems yeah. like it goes deeper
1: well let me just say so everybody knows i mean i i've, I've I believe the, the best, the most smart, powerful, great things are very, very simple. And so, our brand and everything you see today goes back to a central core mission. It is connecting human beings with nature and the outdoors. Period. Connecting humans with nature. And it would go back to everything we do, and quite honestly, even golf, in the way we do it here, especially with uh, Waverly and Mossy Course. If we don't put that first, and I mean, that's a big word, conservation, but if we don't put caring for what God gave us here first. then not only will we lose those those bounties, those gifts of wildlife, the nature of the plants, that so we'll, we'll lose our own way. Because this is where we live. This is home. This earth. This plants, these trees. And I know there are factors beyond even our control sometimes, but I just feel like everybody has to have a consciousness about that. And unfortunately, right. uh, not being prejudiced about it at all, but people that live in a big city that aren't around it as much maybe can't appreciated much or even if they do and they have an agenda they think it's helpful they really don't know because they haven't experienced it. I get it. It has to come first so it has to come first with us. I will quote my good friend Johnny Morris of Bass Pro Shops who is uh, just a a hero uh, for conservation and he says it all the time like a just like a minister sermon he's like it's not that we need to do it or that you should want to do it we have to do it.
0: Let's talk about golf do you love golf because i know george
1: i do i'm a huge fan of golf and i'm actually people laugh i am not been playing lately because i've got a wrist injury that i won't go get fixed because i'm gonna <laughs> be out of commission for probably three months i, love it. It. I get it i get it. i play golf <laughs> i grew up playing golf from a very very early age actually out there and uh, been around george playing at the west point country club i love golf but you know people said you know we're in just so you know we're in the obviously the camo business the in many, many ways, the fabric, the apparel, the, all those products. You know, we're you know team sports and media. We have a media company. We have wild, wild nutritional products. You know, we're in. I mean, I can't even describe all the different business we're in to think about on the phone. But we're also, you know, we have, um, you know, we have a big tree plant nursery. We uh, sell trees, and you know, the native. It's called native nurseries, and there's just a whole. You know, actually, the most fastest growing, successful big thing we have going on outside our core hunting business and all is the Mossy Properties real estate business, which is now in 30-something states with about 110 offices and growing you know, faster than anything we have. With all wow. that stuff going on, people say, why golf? I didn't know you were in the golf business. I didn't know that golf fit with this. Why does golf fit into all that stuff relevant to our mission statement and all? I said, well, first of all, we're not necessarily in the golf business, but I'm in the West Point business. And I'm in the Mississippi business. And so when someone like George Bryan asks you to be a partner in something that can make that big a difference for this town and this state and, like, my kids who just love golf and, you know, all our family and friends, I mean, we're so blessed to have Waverly to start with. It's just incredible if you hadn't been here. But the chance to do both of them and make sure and help him get both of them finished and get this one finished, Waverly has been – and so it's incredible. I mean, if you hadn't been there, one is almost like going to Augusta. That style, at least. I'm not, you know, comparing to that. But I mean, Waverly is much like that old style.
0: Yeah, and, and, and mossy oak is is the lay of the land.
1: It's what it was. There. It's like going to you know Ireland and playing or Scotland or, or St. Andrews type of course. It's not on the ocean like a links course, but it literally you can stand on number six and see every flag. Uh, you know, wow. it, it was in Gill. We were very fortunate, too, to barely to have Gil Hunt, who's, you know, in our opinion, the best architect in the world. In fact, he's uh, doing the play-by-play on the U.S. Open on Fox this weekend. He's just incredible. He's a great guy. He's brilliant. And his thing was like, I want this to look like it's been here 50 years, you know, in just five years' time. And I want it to look like it literally just grew up out of the landscape of this old dairy farm as opposed to, you know, something that, you know, moves 4 million yards of dirt to drop in out of the sky like you see sometimes so he's you know he calls it a minimalist style and you know george is just a he's just a you know i don't know if you want to say he's a genius per se but he he's also driven by the same thing of giving back and leaving behind something here for West Point and his family too and so when i had the chance i mean i could not not do it and quite honestly there's a deeper vein than that there is a i mean if you see my dad who's Picks to be 89, and, he's, you know, he's getting pretty feeble these days and harder to get around, although he killed two turkeys this spring. And then you <laughs> see George, and they see each other today. You can see a depth of trust and respect and. and gratitude that very few two people have. I mean, George will talk about my dad. almost get teared up. In fact, he will. And so my dad will start to talk about what George meant to him and how good he was to my dad. And he he can't finish the sentences. That deep. is kind of beyond words. So, you know, I've known that, too. So how could I not, you know, when, A, feel felt honored that he wanted us to be a partner. He wanted to call it Mossy Oak. uh, But, you know, and the chance to pull it off. How could we not help anything he needed help with? He's just that kind of guy uh, that only comes along so much. And we're fortunate to have him here in West Point.
0: I love it. We're in a Mississippi Minute with Toxie Hayes. I'm not one to worry, but I've got a real bad feeling this time. Oh, 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 oh. cause sirens are crying all through this town. Hey there guys, I wanted to tell you about our Mockingbird Music Series, a bi-monthly musical dinner series featuring intimate performances with some of my pals and Nashville's best prolific award-winning songwriters, telling the stories behind their hits and performing them as originally written so in similar fashion with a little twist i'm excited to be bringing my friends and this music city tradition to the birthplace of america's music right here in mississippi we started in greenville with the latest ones selling out in just six hours now we've added hernando and oxford with more destinations to follow the evening also includes dinner created by a local chef seats are limited to find out more and to sign up for the mailing list and or to buy tickets go to my website steveazar.com that's SteveAzar.com and scroll down, click on the Mockingbird Music Series logo. It's a heck of a night. Hope to see you there. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Toxie A's, Mossy Oak. All right, you and George Bryan, obviously, the Bryan family, your family, you guys giving back to Mississippi State. I mean, that's where they train.
1: Uh, But, you know, quite honestly, he already was down the road on that before we got involved. And that was his vision all along, to put that there. And, you know, I I still remember – it was uh, the golfer Larry Mize was in to see what we were building, and he was, at, yeah, I think he had a son playing in Waverly, and, you know, George Call, you'd, you'd love him. You know, he's a big hunter, we got to know him. But he, I was with him when we went over to the Mississippi State facility, and I think his son, I'm not sure, but I think it was at Georgia or somewhere, but he's real familiar with um, NCAA golf, mm-hmm. and he walked through the Mississippi State facility that, you know Mississippi State and George and the Bryan family all put together there, and he said, "I'll guarantee this is the nicest golf facility." Now, someone may rush to beat it, but he said, "This is as nice as exists in NCAA golf." So, I mean, you know, that's the kind of things they've done over here.
0: You think about you and George back in your college days. I know at different times, but you think about that, and you think about it as being a freshman or sophomore and what you were into. Yeah. You ever imagine? No. that it would strike you to do all of this it's amazing
1: no. not even close and i mean people ask me all the time when you first started the camo stuff did you envision all this outdoor I said no but you know it's kind of along the same lines as your faith you just get up every day mm-hmm. and it is a new world every day and you um you know you keep your head down and focus and learn from what you've experienced already and uh you know, move forward, and I think it's real critical that everything we do, to me, one of my other core things in our philosophy is living life with a heart of gratitude. Don't just wait for certain periods of great things happening to you, and then you're grateful for them. You know, even when the chips are down, you should live life with a heart of gratitude. Everything will come to you yeah. if you do that over time. Uh, you know, and you'll attract the people that need to be there, and you'll be a part of it, and, um, you know, but when you've got that bitterness, and that, "why where's mine, and I didn't get this, and Uh, you know you're complaining about things it just it just gets in the way and you're in my opinion you're wasting time yeah I
0: get it well I can't I can't thank you for enough for taking a Mississippi Minute with me as you know it well and, uh I can't wait to to physically meet you I know I've seen you maybe at some at state games when I've been there or you know being a been a delta state grad I get to jump around and, and love all of our schools and I've really and I got a lot of friends at both at well all the schools in Mississippi and I, I like to spend time and feel like I'm I'm one of you guys you know <laughs> when I'm there uh, and you are. it is and it's just it's amazing, you know. I, I learned how to play music on on all you guys' campuses, and and uh, they let they let us in, and they allowed me to practice and get better, and and so I'm grateful for that, and I'm a big fan. So hey, I can't wait to uh, to give you a hug, and uh, I'll let you get back to it, and thank I'll thank George when I get off the phone. We've been with Toxie Hayes, founder of Mossy Oak, and uh, you know
1: I just uh, you know the only last thing I'll say is well, I mean we're I, I, it's a great country. There's fifty states. It's the greatest country in history, not just the world today. But man, count your blessings every day you live in Mississippi, because I, you know, I just got a note from one of our key guys. He's over in uh, Orient on, uh, you know, some sourcing and stuff, and he's like, "Count your blessings where we live every day, please."
0: Yeah. Well, we didn't. Is,
1: we didn't. Is the best. I mean, there's. I mean, my our first cousin's over there in Alabama. And I have a place <laughs> over there I love too. But we're so lucky to be where we live in the time period we live in. Please. Everybody be so grateful for
0: it. Yeah, we got the nicest people in the world. Uh, and I've got proof from There's, so many people that I bring in, and they don't want to leave. They stay. That's
1: exactly yeah. what happens here. <laughs> I love uh, it. They do. Yeah. They, they honestly don't know that something like this exists, which is almost sad.
0: <laughs> I love, well, it's, it's our little secret, which you probably need to keep out yeah. certain people, but we do want to invite in the rest of them, and they can stay as long as they want. We've been with Toxie Hayes, founder of Mossy Oak. We're going to let him go do his thing. You've been in a Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.